All right. Hey, folks, uh, this is Chris Tannehill coming to you from CNEI, the California Nurses Educational Institute. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, every time I've uh, well, you've heard me in the past, uh, I've got a couple bullet points and I'm ranting and I'm running off of what I'm thinking and opinion. And uh, what I'm doing today is I'm going to talk to you about the 12 steps. I've written a lot of this down. I do not want to get any of this wrong or at least be so inaccurate uh, as to disappoint anybody. So forgive me or, for, you know, at least forgive me for reading or if it feels like I'm reading, well, guess what? I am. I want to get this correct for you. So uh, here goes. Hang on. Um, I'd like to today, what I talk about uh, with my students, we talk about treatment, obviously, and counseling to no end. But uh, what a lot of folks don't talk about, well, what are the 12 steps? Okay. And uh, I want to touch on that. Uh, how about this? Why do folks leaving treatment have to attend these meetings? Okay, the joke being uh, that somebody says, did I just pay 27000 to eventually be sent to a meeting? You know, and I'll tell you what, in some respects, yes. Y- yes, you did. But sometimes treatment gives us the push and professional jumpstart that non-professional groups might not have been able to provide, thereby giving the new attendee a momentum he or she wouldn't have otherwise had just walking in to AA, say, or NA, pick a, pick a 12-step group. I mean, there's lots to say here. Oh, we'll return... Because treatment has a place like meetings do. I mean, this is a complex problem with many facets and moving parts which need to exist or be in motion for much of this to work. Leaving out God and luck and actually saying the two in a sentence these days sounds silly to me, but let's continue. The purpose of the 12 steps, which I describe to my students and many who are in recovery themselves, and some do not even have a good grasp of the basic tenets and the spiritual axioms that accompany each step. I was kind of surprised, but... A lot of my students in recovery haven't completed that. I understand that. They're in the process of. Um, Russell Brand does a wonderful humor-laced rendition of understanding the 12 steps. So any of you folks ever have a chance to check that out, go take a peek at that. But my point is, these steps are not a mystery. And they're not the mystery they appear to be, nor are they the Mount Everest of wall hanging seen in most meetings. I won't go back too far, but the 12 steps originated out of the Oxford group's six steps. And it was an evolution, shall we say, and all that history for another time. But they are the test we take without the information of why. And what I mean by that is this is like an exam in reverse. You take the test, then the understanding follows. There's a leap involved, and hence a need for humility. Because if you still think you have one good idea left or a better method, or a plan B, then stop here. Save us all time and go about your life until you're prepared to take direction from another human being. Difficult for a group of folks used to being self-sufficient, having three different lives, uh, and control, control, and illusion of control, while extricating themselves from these horrendous situations on their own because we have burnt every bridge. I will do this on my own because I can't count on anybody. I don't trust anybody, and people have proven to me they cannot be trusted anyway. I'll do this myself. I mean, watch a three- or four-year-old pull away from someone in an attempt to solve something on their own terms. This is usually how we learn, but for the alcoholic addict, not always. Point is, this is the demographic we're trying to convince to attempt let someone else drive for a moment here. That's hard. And most often, our drug of choice has to have brought us to our knees before we ask another human being for help. My addiction in society has taught me to never ask, or if you do, you become victimized. Now you're telling me 
I need to ask? I mean, there's nothing more frightening for my people, I believe, than to request help from another human being. Now, let's make that our leaping off point. I'm beaten and actually compliant for the first time in my life. I was told I need to be willing, open-minded, and honest. Okay, now I'm there. What can the 12 steps do for me? Uh, Using AA's first step as an example, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable. This is a step in two parts and is the only step they, we have to do perfectly. It is also the only step that mentions alcohol or whatever specific affliction may be for whatever group. It also starts out with we and not I because we do this together. We do this as a group. Um, We admitted we were powerless over alcohol to begin with. This admission or acknowledgement or at best acceptance is the first step. I am beaten. Whatever my issue, I am beaten. No one wants to admit defeat. And I knew a former full bird colonel in the Marines whose credo was never surrender, who had to arrive at this point or lose his commission. He was one of my examples that being beaten isn't always a bad thing. How will I ever come out of this unless I give up this fight? It's as futile as a war against glaciation or plate tectonics. You know, I'm not going to win on my own terms here. So you know what? Trust. Trust this. If we could beat this on our own, we would have tripped over it by now. It's also a very personal moment for the alcoholic addict when they finally have that little meeting with themselves. If, with all the evidence available, you can admit you are powerless over something and thereby stating, say alcohol, that when I drink, I have no idea when I will stop nor how much I will consume. Or when I'm not drinking, I have no idea when I might start. If I believe or if you believe you can admit this, then it's begun for you. This sometimes takes us out of the modicum of alone and shame into the bigger realm of us and effort. The second half of that step, and that our lives had become unmanageable, is easy for many to acquiesce to, but for others, it is the first part of this hurdle in this marathon. Many folks I encountered still had something in their lives that gave the illusion of manageability. I've even had extremely wealthy, successful patients, clients, that the only indicator that something is awry in their lives is how they feel internally, not having lost the house, money, wife, job, reputation, and so on, which makes the second half of this step difficult at times. Treatment is built for just this type of occasion, whereas many 12-step old-timers would suggest, hey, you go back out till you've lost all of the aforementioned, including your watch, so that you are primed to be compliant. Treatment states that, you know what, we can show you the film of your life and fast-forward and help resolve your ambivalence and or ambivalent stance on, have I lost enough? In this life of mine, is this life of mine unmanageable? Rarely does an alcoholic addict only ever adversely affect themselves and no one else. A minimum of five people in their immediate vicinity is usually affected. Maybe not all profoundly, but they have been the witness or participant to the wake of destruction pushed forward by the sick individual. People are affected by what we do as drunks, drug addicts, and a story. We're social beings. And unless you drank in a cabin in Siberia with no friends or family to speak of and had your booze flown in and dropped off at your front door without human contact, then you most likely did something that had consequence or impact upon others. So, for those who minimize, get under yourself and push up and take a look. You see, there are other folks out here on this planet with you. And I also understand this experience as it stands because I, didn't, I don't think I realized that there was other people in the meetings with me for at least two years. So, but enough digression. Unmanageability means different things to many people. 
but it is one truth. You do not have the control of your life in the way you think you do. What is the only thing you can truly control? How we react to others in situations. I bet that is a hard concept for Jeff Bezos right now or for the Koch brothers. But sometimes they come through the door of treatment and have to confront this. The rest of us can point to the broken homes, legal issues, divorces, poor relationships, debt, and a number of things, excuse me, and a number of things to have a client understand unmanageability. For others, we have to pick on where their disease centers and the decisions that have emerged from there and also why life has become so unsatisfactory. You have everything, so why are you wanting to end your life drug drunk? Desperation is a commonly shared factor that they can agree upon, and their health declining perhaps, but the things people fear besides other people and death is their own minds. Many of my clients, rich, poor, felt they were going insane, and this is another place to pivot and introduce unmanageability. I do not want to ride this into the ground, so let's just sum this up, shall we? When I engage in my drug behavior of choice, whatever, I do not know when it will begin nor will, when it will cease, nor how long it will, I will be engaged in it. Okay. All right, I'm powerless. And my life as a result of this behavior has gotten me unhappy, in debt, fear of insanity, spiritually bankrupt, and I cannot control it to my satisfaction. Okay, my life is unmanageable. That be step one of 12 that are in order for a reason. And we will continue this after I take a deep breath and promise not to rant for the remaining 11 steps. I mean, that's, well, I'll tell you what, how about this, folks? That's enough for today. Okay, be good to each other.